millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Today, joined by my colleagues at Rogue Report, we've got Gav, James, Jimmy, and newcomer at the pod, we've got Alex. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Everybody's feeling fine. Everybody's feeling fantastic because today we spanked Norwich. I say spanking, I don't know. You be the judge, I suppose. We'll have a little bit of a chat about it. Basically, yeah, we had a nice 3 1 win over Norwich. That was, uh, it makes a change. It was good to see Grayson put out a really solid team. Uh, basically, I'll, I'll hand straight over to Gav, actually. Gav, what do you make of the match? Can't complain, mate. Just perfect result in my eyes I don't think an away performance can be more complete than what it was today obviously mm. we could have kept a clean sheet but just I thought I thought the way it was set out from the off was was outstanding I thought it, it was it, it wasn't typical of a Sunderland team I've become used of anyways um, we, we sat pretty deep but when we had the chance to go forward we did it with purpose and we broke well we took our chances all of the new players played at least well. I mean, I'm not, I'm not overly fussed about Brendan Galloway at left back, but I do think that he tries and he works hard and that's all we can ever ask of a Sunderland player. But I mean, that, that's been the main take from the first few games for me really is that these, these guys that Grayson's brought in have been able to add to what we've already got. And as a whole, they're, they're, they're you know, they're a more solid team. But in terms of the, the performance generally, I, th- I thought that, uh, Norwich, you know, all you've got to do is watch any game that they've played in the last year or so. They're a very good home team. They like keep possession of the ball. They've got a lot of experienced players there, particularly ones who are good championship players. Like, you know, Cameron Jerome, for instance, is a experienced championship striker and he didn't get a sniff today. Yeah. And I just think, you know, it was it was a very well-executed game plan by a team who seem on the ball um, and I think are going to improve even more as, as the season goes on. I just think there's a lot of positive to be taken from it. I just, uh, yeah, I was, pre- I was pretty happy and I thought, I thought that the goals in particular were pleasing because they weren't just, you know, scrappy goals or from set pieces. It, the, the, those were really good goals we scored today. I mean, the first one was a great kick down the pitch by Steele, 
Vaughn, I mean, he's going to have his detractors because he's not hitting the back of the net, and I think he will eventually, but I just think what he brings to the team is is that foil for other players to to you know spin off and work from. And we saw that a day, the flick down that he did for Graben's goal was fantastic. Graben took it well. He'll have been well up for it today because of obviously his connections to Norwich and the fact that things didn't end very well there. You know, you, you, he's going to have had a, a bit of extra pep in his step. The second goal, I mean, just an unbelievable piece of quality by Ian McGee. I think he scored nine goals last season for Preston. They were all from range, so... That I think something we're going to become accustomed to strikes from range, which you know tend to find the target. And I mean that that touchdown by Catamore, which which laid him on, it, you know, just a really well worked goal. And the keeper stood no chance once he hit it. In fact, I, I thought he hit it that well that I had to actually look back because I thought it took a deflection. That's how well he hit it. <laughs> the, the third goal again, McGeady, just the ball that he put in on off his right foot. I mean, if you're a striker, you you, you know you live for chances like that. Just put on a plate for grabbing. Um, and I mean, we can't we can't take too much from the the goal we conceded. It was just a bit of bad luck. I thought generally as a team we were defensively as solid as I've seen a Sunderland team in a long time. And there's literally no no negatives to take from the performance. I think I think going into Wednesday we've got to be confident now. We're two games unbeaten in the league. We've, we've won one in the cup. As the players get to know each other more and more, and the forwards continue to work together, and you know even players like Coney are, are doing their bit, and he's quite clearly committed at the minute, at least yeah. on the pitch. We've, we've got to be happy, and I just think you know we're 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 going to be up there with anyone. I mean, from what I've seen of the teams already in the championship, amongst the ones which are doing well, there's not a great deal in terms of quality between them. And I think it's all about momentum with Sunderland and how well you know Grayson and Foster are positive, um, positive and harmonious uh, group of players. Because if we can keep this kind of momentum going through, particularly the hard yards, you know, when we're playing twice a week, sometimes three times a week, who knows what we're going to do really this season. It was class-like when I thought it was just a really, really good team performance. I mean, Grayson seems to have these players fired up, fired up. Um, they're working for each other. They're working for the shirt. It's just, it's great to see. It's a, such a stark contrast to last year. He seems to, you know, he, he set out a game plan and they executed it pretty much perfectly. You know, and as an away performance, you don't really get much better. As Gav said, maybe keep a keen sheet, but they, they were just, they were brilliant. I mean, Norwich had a couple of moments in the first half, but they didn't really threaten too much. Um, we had a bit of a wobble in the last 10 when we conceded, but we were far, by far the more clinical side. Um, one thing I've noticed is I, I, I definitely think we'll get chances in this league. I mean, even when Norwich were on top, we looked dangerous. We, we had two or three clear chances. Um, and, you know, Norwich are a decent home outfit. If we can continue to put performances like this on, I'm really confident we can at least go into the playoffs. Like, I mean, Aidan McGeady is clearly the best footballer we have. Um, he looks a cut above at this level. He really does. His, his finish for his goal was just, was absolutely outstanding. He, the ball in for Grabham's second was, again, was outstanding. His nutmeg in the first half in us inside our own box was, like Steve Malbronk-esque, you know, it was absolutely class. And I thought even defensively, I mean, I've been the first one to, to have a go at Lamincone and I thought he was absolutely outstanding today. You know, Cameron Jerome is, he's not the most prolific footballer, but, you know, he's, he's a good championship player and he's a big, strong lad. Um, and he was just, he was a bit of a rock, you know, I mean, mm. Browning alongside him. He was just, he won key headers. He didn't really give, any, give Norwich a sniff. I mean, you, you do have to look at Galloway and you think, you know, he, he's not the best, but I'm hoping, you know, he'll grow into the season, given a bit more, you know, he's, he's got a, he's got a, um, a solid start now. It'd be interesting to see if Oviedo comes in, um, 
and in the midfield, you know, and Dong, he's just, he's effective, isn't he? He breaks up play. I mean, sometimes his passing can be a little wayward, but, you know, he broke up play. He's just snuffed out so many of Norwich's moves before they even got a chance to start. Um, you know, having someone like Ndong alongside Catamol just allows you to play two up top, doesn't it? Because, you know, he covers so much ground. Um, I would worry if, you know, if we had to have Gibson alongside Catamol, we'd probably have to play three in the middle. But because Ndong is so full of energy and covers so much ground, it allows you to play two up top. It allows you to get Lewis Grabham on the pitch, really, because he's, he's a lot faster than I thought he was. You know, I mean, he, the way he, he um, motored away from the defence for his first goal yeah. was just, it was just, it was class. You know, it was really, really good to see. Um, no negatives. Let's just hope and keep it going. Yeah, I think you two guys touched on the main points. It was a really good defensive performance. One that maybe we haven't seen going back to the O'Neill days where we just looked like, I mean, we were a bit shaky that last half an hour from corners and set pieces. But apart from that, we were thoroughly excellent defensively. I mean, Norwich had 70% possession. But if you, like like Jim mentioned, if you look at the clear chances in the game, if you were to rate the, the best chances in the game outside of Russell Martin's awful diving header, they were all Sunderland chances. And it was really good to see a Sunderland team that played with a cutting edge, that played with dynamism. I mean, McGeady and Graben are among the two most dynamic players at this level. I'm not quite ready to go as far as Gavin Jim and say that we're a surefire playoff team. I'm not I'm not sure whether we're going to be one of these teams that's better against the good teams and maybe struggles to break down the lesser teams, the, the Barnsleys, the Burton Albions. I'm still not really sure what we've quite got here this season. But today was an extremely impressive performance. We were great defensively. I think there was three clear standout players, Grabbin and McGeady, as you talked about, and I thought Browning was brilliant. I was critical of him and his inability to, to pass and, and to play the ball against Derby. But today, that, that's one of the best centre-back performances I can remember seeing from a Sunderland player in a while. I just thought he read everything excellently and was really commanding, really, really impressed. Well, it's interesting you say dynamism. I mean, for me personally, watching Graben, I, w- I was very satisfied with that. I thought he's been he's been industrious. He's looked sharp in his in his opening games for us. And obviously, McGeady, looking at him, we w- I think we all expected him. It was just a matter of time until he started scoring goals or at least contributing to them. He did so in a fantastic way today. That was a, a fantastic goal. But yeah, particularly with Graben, I'm impressed, and I'm glad that he got the brace. It's a shame he didn't get a hat trick at the end of the day. I am uh, in in overall, I am I am happy with the display. I think it was solid. I'm quite happy with Grayson. Seems to me that he held his nerve. He's got a, well. We're starting to learn. Obviously, it's early days yet, but we're starting to learn about Grayson and his tactical where's now. Really, whether he's going to make those changes, he seems to want to hold on. He really appreciates, from what I can tell, he really appreciates the stability that he's had in the opening games from the team. So what about you, Alex? What do you make of the uh, of the game? Well, I think overall, I would just generally say, that, yeah, it was a really reassuring performance for many reasons. Mm. I mean, that stands out to me when I watch the Sunderland team. I when I watch Derby and Berries that would look like a good team. Really, a team that plays well together. That's a lot of quality. And above all else, not the finished product. I think we need to remember that. You know, we've played against Norwich, and I mean, despite having a lot less possession, a lot less of the ball, better team, we took our chances. And that says a lot about where we've come from last week as well. I mean, against Bury, I think the main issue was, well, the only real issue is that there was just no end product. Like, we've, we've, we've fired in God knows how many corners and couldn't beat the first man. 
And yet this team seems to have come together and just totally troubleshot the problem from last week. Because the end product was obviously there. You know, we had so few chances compared to Norwich and we just, you know, we were so clinical. Mm. And like I say, I mean, this team we've got now, this team we're fielding, this isn't what we're left. Like, this isn't our final product. Yeah, you could start McGeady and Honeyman on your flanks every game and they'd put out a great performance and you could have Watmore as a fantastic impact sub for that division. I mean, you bring on Watmore against, uh, you know, it's, it's 70 minutes in and Watmore comes on against a knackered championship left back or right back. Mm. You know, he's going to do that. He's, he's just going to do numbers on them. Yeah, it is, in, it is interesting to know that we'll have those options looking at it now. That is a that is a benefit for us. So the, I think that's something that we were we didn't think we'd have. We were so thin on the ground going in the transfer window. I think it is quite impressive. Well, certainly for me, it's it's quite comforting to to see these players that we got on the cheap or and their their recent past being a little bit shaky when it comes to injuries and. Uh, prolificacy and things like that so it's yeah it's it's great to be looking at it and thinking oh well we've still got this we've still got this I mean we've got some questions about that uh, and we'll cover it in a little while but before I do want to move I, w- I want to talk specifically about McGeady five years ago wasn't it I think it was five years ago we tried to sign him something Grayson said about him today actually post-match um, that considering we tried to sign him five years ago for nine million that he's a, he's a bargain at 250k and that is that is, I mean, it's bad really when you consider that we didn't manage to sign. You are looking at him now. I'm looking at him and thinking, well, this is a player that we should have had five years ago. Do you know what I mean? This is this is the sort of player that we should have been able to rely on for a while. And I think I think when you look at players that can contribute from the wing, players that can fire in crosses, players that can uh, go one on one down the wing in particular, having that ability and that skill, and then. To boot, being able to lay yourself up for a perler like that shot, I was really impressed. I mean, I don't know about you guys as well, but grabbing, as I say, I'm very, very happy with him. So when it comes to our transfer business, I think we've done better than we were. We were perhaps thinking when it first happened. Do you know what I mean? That's that's something that I'm I'm quite pleased with, and something that I'm mm-hmm. to say. There's time. There's still time to go, and there's still more players to come in, and we'll again we'll talk more about that. But um, yeah, with Graben in particular, very happy, very pleased that he got his brace today. I think he deserved it. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I think I think he's uh, he's quite clearly a, a player who is very sure of himself. Uh, he carries himself well on the pitch, um, quite strong. And I think I think the mobility that he's got will be helpful this season. We haven't been used to having forwards who can do a bit of everything. And I think in him and Vaughan, you're certainly seeing a pair of strikers who, whilst they might not be as clinical as someone like Jimmy Defoe. Um, they might offer a little bit more to the team, and I think I think Graben obviously at this level has done a lot over his career. Obviously, his recent history isn't great. Um, did well at, at Bournemouth initially, got a big move to Norwich where he did initially well in the Championship, and then in the Premier League, you know, amounted to nothing. And I think pretty much since then his career has kind of went downhill. And I think we've mentioned it in the past, but. I mean, it's, it's probably the same as with the manager as it is with some of these players, but this is probably their last chance of, of making it in the Premier League or, or even at a big club. I mean, Graben has got to make this work and he's at, he's with the right manager. I do believe that. I think, I think Grayson's maybe speciality has taken players like Graben who are faltering, who haven't really got, um, who, whose better days are maybe behind them and he can maybe put them back on the right path where they're playing at a consistent level. Mm. I certainly think that grabbing, grabbing when it comes to the end of the season will be up there in the scoring charts in the league. I just think that he's 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 going to get your goals, especially against weak opposition. He, you know, you even saw today 
that goal he scored the first one. I mean, you could even say the second one. The defending for both was pretty poor, and Norwich are considered one of the better teams. They're considered to have one of the better defences in the league, even. And then, you, you, you know, you look at how easily they were carved apart. I mean, the second one was obviously a great ball in, but he's still standing there waiting for it to, to knock it in the back of the net. The first one, I mean, the flick on from Vaughan, um, their defence just falls to bits, and then mm-hmm. Graben takes advantage and finishes well, really. But, I mean, ultimately what I'm trying to say is that, you know, the chances are going to come... Provided he stays fit, which is obviously a big thing. Provided he stays fit, he'll play most weeks and he'll get, you know, he'll get his fair share. And I think it's going to represent a decent piece of business ultimately. I think, I think we can probably take from what we've seen so far that Grayson likes two up front. Um, he likes a bit of industry and he likes players to be able to, you know, put the yards in off the ball as well. I think that today was probably the first real test and, and example of what we're going to be like against better teams because I don't think Norwich were poor today. I just think, you know, we took our chances. I thought Norwich struggled to break us down. But, you know, as it, in, in terms of possession-based teams who are going to keep the ball and try and hurt you on the home turf, that's probably as you know as good as it's going to get. Norwich, are, I, was, I was, you know, watching something from one of their fans, a uh, video on YouTube, and they, they were pretty optimistic about the day. And then afterwards, he, you know, the, the same guy did a video and he's talking about, He's talking about, you know, don't worry, don't panic. We're going to be all right. I think we'll still win the league. And, I'm, you know, if that's how their fans are thinking, and then they, they think they're quite capable of, of doing well this season. And then for us to pick up a win against a team who are obviously going to be up there is pleasing. And, mm. you know, I say, players like, players like grabbing over the course of the season are really going to, are really going to be the difference between obviously us finishing in the middle and maybe pushing for playoffs, which is where I think I, I say this team going, provided we keep people fit. Yeah, it's interesting what you say. What you said earlier about sorry, about um, grabbing this being his last chance to really sort of make a, make something of himself, make something of his career, and I feel like Grayson really, as you, you said, has the ability to do that. And I think it's really if you if you look at sort of his transfer policy, about wanting players that will play for the shirt, his ability to sort of yeah like bring the best out of them is I think essentially synonymous with that. I mean, if you look at say like I mean if you look at McGeady as well as grabbing, you know I mean those two. Like I mean, in an interview today, he said that when he brought in when he brought McGeady to Preston, that he essentially, you know, like the, the bloke himself, McGeady, thought that like well, he'd fell out of love with football, so mm. to speak. Yeah. And I, and I think, and you know, Grayson brought him into Preston, you know, let him do his own thing, and essentially resurrected his career. And I think the same thing he could be trying to do with Grabin as well. You know, there's a lot of similarities there. As you say, Grabin couldn't really make it a Bournemouth. You know, he played, I think it was 19 games for them, didn't score any. And he's brought him here, and already he's netted three and two. Mm. You know, so clearly there's something that he's doing with these players who are maybe down on the luck. He's bringing them in and just sort of, to, I think maybe to an extent, just giving them free reigns to do what they want in the position that they're most comfortable with. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Like, I mean, I think McGeady said, was it in the week or maybe the week previous, that someone, uh, when he obviously working with Grayson in the past, and he gives him, he's given him more freedom than any other manager has done, and you can see the benefits of that. You know, he's not in a rigid role where, you know, he, he, like say Fabio Barini was in past seasons where he's just kind of restricted to a running up and down the touchline. The lad's given free reign really to kind of go and impact games. And when you've got a player with that much talent, you know, that's only going to be, you know, great for us. It's, it's, I find it interesting that this was probably one of the most underwhelming transfer windows that we've, that we've had, but it actually could turn out to be one of our best. Yeah, you know certainly. I, mean? I can, I can see where you're coming from there. Because at the start of the season, we were all thinking, oh shit, where's this season going to go? You know, we've only spent a million quid. You know, it's, you know, 
what kind of quality have we got at our disposal? But, you know, the players that have been brought in look just as good, if not better, than what we had previously and look really good fit at this level. Think, um, what, yeah, I, th- I think it's like, as you're saying, and similar to what Alex just said, it's the hunger, isn't it? it mm. They are they are trying to, I mean, even if it's grabbing as well, as as Gav said as well, as it, they're trying to rediscover that love and that passion that they have. And whether it is him saying, oh, well, go out there and just focus on what you're good on, uh, what you're good at, or if it's, putting his arm around their shoulder if it's giving them it's just it's that fine line isn't it you've got to walk that fine line as a manager it's something that we know for a fact that Moyes wasn't capable of doing and clearly now in well in a very short space of time Grayson seems to be the man that can do that well it's, I think what is what's a really big thing and again as I said previously I've been the first to lament Lemon Kone for his absolute disgraceful attitude at times but if and when he leaves it's really key that we replace him with someone who's you know is very very capable and who can slot in because even a Kone at the moment who you know is playing at what 70% or whatever he's playing at you know because he's you know his mind's not totally there but he still looks a class act at this level so if and when he leaves, we're going to have to make sure that whoever comes in is a ready-made replacement. And looking at what Grayson's done with so far, I have a lot more confidence now in what he will bring in than I did at the start of the season. If, say, we have a player who will play for the shirt to replace Kone, then I think in terms of graft, you won't really see a massive difference. And I think we can just use Kone to sort of preview what it'll be like having a replacement. I mean, he's playing. I mean, Kone is working hard. Obviously, he's not really working hard. Well, he's, def- he's definitely not working hard for the same reason the rest of the team are. You know, Corne is... Like, the prospect of playing another half a season is terrifying to Corne. You know, I mean, the, the sheer invalidation of the bloke's ego, you can't imagine it. So I think you, what we'll want is, once he goes, once you get a player in that conforms to Grayson's policy of playing for the shirt, you know, maybe it's someone who needs to step up, someone who's hungry to prove themselves, who Grayson will give them the free reins to really come into their own, whatever they're good at as being, you know, as a player. I think one thing that might favour Grace in terms of his search for a new centre-back is he doesn't put too much pressure on his centre-halves to play out from the back. Like you see in all across football, across the last five, ten years, the need for everyone to be a midfielder and how that's made scouting and finding good centre-backs so hard. You look at a club like Man City, who spent 200, 300 million trying to find ball-playing centre-backs and they still don't have two good ones. With Grayson, because he wants defenders who can defend, a guy like Browning, who has his limitations, was excellent today because all he's asked to do is defend. That should make his life easier in terms of looking forward and finding someone at this level who can do a job for him because he's not asking or demanding as much of his centre-backs as other managers in the league will. Mm. And that could work to our benefit in terms of replacing Kone. Well, I mean, arguably, that's what every manager should do. I mean, it's probably fair to say that in modern football, managers sometimes ask too much. They expect too much of their players with the money that's going around, with the salaries that are paid, with the way players are brought up and through the academies or just harvested from the best teams in the world or the best leagues or whatever. It's it's easy to understand why a manager, many managers would just expect automatically for this player that they've brought in. Often, as, as if we're talking about larger teams as well, things like that and bigger signings, uh, well, even normally a manager might not have many opportunities to watch a player five, six, seven times, ten times, twenty times, however many times he, it 
requires for them to truly judge whether or not that player is capable. So when it comes to making signings and just expecting them to do what they're supposed to do, like what they've written down, like, look, as you say, with um, with Galloway, um, I know, sorry, Browning, yeah, talking about him and how he should just stick to one thing. I think they should do that. I think that's a big argument to say that most managers should do that with their players. Only in very rare events and circumstances, I think, should a, a player be expected to play out of position. Um, otherwise, you, you really, you just, well, you mess it up, aren't you? <laughs> that doesn't seem like the best way to go about it. Only if you're in a really desperate situation. Exactly. So it's, um, yeah, difficult one. But moving on to Galloway, what do we all think of Galloway today? Gav, you got anything to say about Galloway? He's coming on slightly, incrementally. Um, yeah, I kind of mentioned at the top that I thought he still doesn't fill us with any sort of confidence but in that position. But, I mean, he, he works hard and, you know, you've got to kind of at least hang on to that and think he's a young lad and he might improve um, but I was at the under 23s game the other day when Oviedo played his first game back and he looks way off I don't think we can we can really expect him to you know make any sort of impact um, in the coming weeks I think we've probably got to you know wait out with Galloway and hope he gets better um, and, and I think I think maybe if Oviedo does come back in the team at left back and Coney leaves you might even see Galloway shift inside where he you know, played quite a lot for Everton at centre half because he he's quite patently a, a centre half playing out of position for me. Um, but I mean, credit to the lad today. I thought he, he did all right. He you know he, he struggles to contribute going forward, and I think I mean the goal against Derby last week was all down his side. He, he's got stuff to work on. But obviously, you know, Grayson set up quite defensively in anyways, and and he's uh you know gonna get more out of these players as the season goes on because obviously he wants to buy into his way of playing and, you know, listen to him tactically, listen to him off the pitch, the coaching side of things. Mm. And players like Galloway will improve, but I'm just, I'm not, I'm not fully convinced about him. I don't want to write the lad off. I think he's, you know, of the two that came from Everton, the Everton fans spoke more highly of, of Galloway than Browning. Mm. And it just surprised me a little that Browning's the one who's, you know, shown himself to be the more quality player. But I mean, there's a long time to go left in the season. Galloway's, played a very short amount of football and and obviously we've got some tough games coming up and it's, it's going to be more test of his metal once he's got real competition back on the side when Oviedo was back and Oviedo was obviously a proven player was brought to this club for a lot of money um, is expected to be the first choice left back um, that'll be when we see you know what he's really about because when 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 you're in real competition with a with a good player in your position it's going to push you further and I think obviously with Oviedo breathing down his neck now it'll be interesting to see how he plays against Chef Wed on Wednesday I just I just don't see it I don't really see where he's going to fit in in men's football I look at him and I think he's too lightweight to play centre-back at the moment. That might change. And he's just not quite technically good enough to make up for his shortcomings defensively. He's got poor defensive instincts. I thought he was I thought he was pretty dreadful in the first half. He improved in the second, but I thought in the first half he gave away sloppy fouls. He got caught too high up on the pitch. He looked uncomfortable on the ball. And I just I just don't really see where he's going to fit in in men's football. He looks too small to play centre-back. He looks too physically weak to play there. And then, as a technician, he's he's quite good. He's quite good, but he's not good enough to make up for his shortcomings. Oviedo, I look at and think, that's a Premier League player. That's a guy with good technique, good composure, good spatial awareness, a guy who can play left-wing or left-back in the league above. 
and who would probably be one of the best attacking fullbacks in this division. So for me, it's a case of Prey Oviedo gets fit and takes Galloway's spot because there's no comparison there. Wow. Well, that's probably the nicest you've been about any player ever. I'm, I'm amazed that it's Oviedo. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Premier League quality. He's got, he's got bad defensive instincts, but I think in terms of a footballer, I think he's, he's a Premier League talent. Well, fair enough, fair enough. Each for their own. Crazy, more crazy opinions from Nelson. More crazy <laughs> from this guy. All right, well, talking uh, someone we really should mention that really is worthy of a mention now. Honeyman. Fantastic, absolutely fantastic performance in his last match. Not this one today. Well, it was still a good performance today. Like James, what do you make of Honeyman? I mean, he was, he was, a, he was certainly quiet today in an attacking sense, but he, he, does, he shows a lot of intelligence, doesn't he? And he, and he wins some fouls in, in good areas, but... I mean, I think every Sunderland fan was just absolutely buzzing for him when we on Thursday. Mm-hmm. You know, his work in the build-up to his goal was absolutely superb and his finish was even better. Um, the lad looks so much better at this level than he did uh, in the Premier League. Now, I'm, just, I'm hoping that, you know, more, the more time the lad gets on the pitch, you know, the better he'll get. You know, he's still very young. You can never, ever fault his, his work ethic, Um he gets stuck in and he's got, he has got quality on the ball. I, I, I do hope he kicks on. I hope he can, you know, stay fit, uh, and keep going because players like Honeyman are going to be really important because, you know, he, he could potentially play inside if we got an, an injury to say in Dong or someone, you know, you could see someone like Honeyman slot in in midfield because of his energy. Um, because of his youth, he'll be able to play, you know, more games than, you know, most. So he's going to be a really, really important player for us this year. And I think he'll relish it. I really will. I think what's crucial for Honeyman's development and to his role in growing into our first team is building his confidence. And I think the Berry game might just be the perfect catalyst, given everything that happened. I mean, you play in an inferior opposition, you know, a League One team that played 11 men behind the ball. So naturally, we got a lot of possession in that game. And I think that's great for Honeyman. You know, I mean, in the build-up of his goal, he, he marauded one end of the pitch to the other then you know when he slipped in for his goal he took that perfectly and I just think it's games like those that you really need him to play to bring him on it, I mean what's good about being in the football league is that as, as, as it's been said many times you know it's not like the Premier League where you're just playing one game a week you know you'll come off one game and three days later you're thrown into a, another one so I think having that having all that constant stream of games for him to play and you know he plays against Bury, he has a really good game against you know a team that isn't so good you know, he gets a goal and he's really lively. He's really industrial getting about the pitch mm. and he goes straight into the next game, you know, and he's off the back of that. He's going to feel confident. He's going to feel right. Let's go again. Because I think, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm not a professional footballer myself, but I'd imagine in his position, you know, you're playing for, your, you know, you're playing for your, the team that you've been with ever since you're, you know, from the first days of the academy. You're going to think, right, you know, okay, I've hit the ground running. You know, kind of how can I keep this going? You know, I want to play, I'd want to play again as soon as I could. And I'd imagine that's the case with him. And having a game mm. three days away as opposed to the week, I mean, it might sound a bit trivial, a bit superficial, but I'd imagine it wouldn't make a lot of difference. Yeah, um, I, I, I like your point there about him going through the academy. I think I think that's probably very understated. If you sat down and had an honest chat with Honeyman, um, he's probably been knocked down quite a lot over the years about his chances of making it here. And now he's there. Now he's in that starting position. Now it's within his grasp. It is for the, you know, it is for losing it. And in the the thing the thing with academy football is you, you, especially if you're small, um, you, you are let down quite a bit. You're told you're told you're too small. You're told you know you'll never make it if you if you don't beef up. 
and things like that. And Honeyman's, you know, got the age of 23 before he gets his chance. That's, that's quite late, mm. especially when you consider the age of some players playing at the top level now yeah, who've got like hundreds of games under the belt. Yeah, yeah. yeah one, uh, not necessarily given up, but they would have moved on he's from gone, Sunderland. Yeah, and he, right. yeah. And, and I, I remember, I remember Honeyman, you know, taking part in games when Poirier was here. And we're talking about three years ago now, which is mm. quite, you know, quite a fair way away. And there was the talk then of him potentially coming into the team. And it's taken until, Obviously, our descent back in the championship for for him to get his chance, and I think people are still skeptical about whether he's going to be a you know long term be a first team player. But if you know, in terms of taking your chances, that call the other day and his performance overall was exactly how it's done, and it's an example of the lads in the academy system now that you know once you get your chance, you know you if you take it, you're going to stay in this team under Simon Grace. And he said it in his interview after the uh, I think it was the the Berry game, talking to Sky Sports. He was talking about how obviously talking about Honeyman and how, you know, he, he told every player when they were training in Austria that if you impress me, you'll get your chance. And then obviously on, you know, Friday night, you've got, you've got Ethan Robson and, uh, and uh, Tom Beedlin, two lads who are probably at that peak end of their, of their youth career. You know, they're at a stage now where they need to start getting first team football or they at least need to, you know, start getting within our first team or even going out on loan. And them two lads really showed what they're about showed their quality against a good Spurs side. And you just kind of think, you know, does does Honeyman's success in the first team in the last few weeks, does that give them the, the opportunity or they at least give them the foresight to think, well, I, you know, I've, I've got a chance here under this manager? The thing I like about him and that Gav's sort of getting at him is how hungry he is. When he made his first start against West Brom at a time when we were at a really low point, it was noticeable how much he wanted to get on the ball, how much he wanted to have an impact on the game, how much he was really had a desire to succeed. And that's obviously come from all the knockbacks he's got that Gav outlined well there. But the thing that I think is really important with Honeyman is he gives us that balance. He'll stay compact. He'll work really hard off the ball. So if you've got somebody like McGeady on the other side, who maybe isn't as renowned for his defensive work rate, having someone like Honeyman that's going to harry, that's going to press, that's going to really work, that's going to get fouled, is really important. And I think that the balance in the team's better with Honeyman there on the right-hand side playing the complementary role, that it would be with even, say, Wally Kasri, who's obviously a more gifted player and more talented, renowned player. But I think that we've got a really good balance going at the moment with the honeyman McGeady grabbing sort of axis behind our lead striker. Mm. Well, can I say something about, I mean, I've said it before on the pod, but the academy lads at Sunderland, they get more chances than any academy players anywhere. I mean, every, it's a new manager every six to nine months. And every time they come in, it's like, got to have a look at the academy lads. And they get chance after chance after chance. Compare it to something like Chelsea, where they've got 30-plus players out on loan. They're one of their lads signed for them, like signed a new five-year contract. Within five minutes, he was loaned back out to like a championship side. I mean, for them, it must be, oh, well, I've, I've signed for Chelsea. Fantastic. I've spoken to some... Um, some coaches uh, nearby where I look like around the area within um, Chelsea's catchment area, really. Uh, and they talk about it, how much they hate Chelsea in regards to the academy players because all the young lads, they just get poached straight away. But it, they must be sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, Chelsea come in for me and their parents sitting there going, oh, fantastic, with all these dreams behind their eyes of how rich they're going to be and how successful and famous they're going to be in the Premier League at one of the biggest clubs in the world. And so few of them actually get that opportunity. It's interesting. It's just, since we're talking about Honeyman now, he came round at 23. So he's had this opportunity about 
five, six times now in the last five years. So it's it must be quite, as an aside, it must just be quite good for them. I would rather, if I was doing that again, I would sooner be in the Sunderland Academy than I would be in the Chelsea Academy if I wanted to play first-team football. Then, yeah, be realistic. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying Honeyman's like the be-all and end-all, and they do have some fantastic players going through there, but still, point made. But yeah, we're talking about, specifically talking about younger players. I mean, we'll stay on this just for a moment more. We've got some questions on Twitter. Um, this one's from Greg Parker Jr. How close is Watmore to a return? Any under-23s looking like they can make a step up? Gav, what do you make of that question? you want to answer it for him? Yeah, um, what more return? I think think Grayson covered that, didn't he? Talking about him coming back after the international break, which I think is about a month's time there or thereabouts. Um, so you know we're looking at probably the Sheffield United game for him coming back, yeah. which will be great. I think I think giving grabbing some competition on the right hand side of that attack um, is going to obviously make him up his game. But I mean, what more gives us so much more? Than probably any other forward we've got because of his pace. He, you know, no other player we've got in that position gets on, you know, gets his head down and runs with the ball. And I think, I think the more organised formation where, you know, especially away from home, when you, you look at how we play it today, for instance, where we, we caught Norwich whenever we could, um, play it from playing deep. I think someone like Duncan Watmore would just thrive, especially in the Championship. I just, I don't see how he's not going to be a success under Simon Grayson in a league with defences who just couldn't handle a player like that. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I th- I'm, I'm looking forward to him coming back. I think, I think obviously his big opportunity came maybe 18 months ago, and he took it. He's another player who took it. Came through the academy, had a good year with the academy. It kind of became impossible for him to be ignored because of how well he had played that season, and then he came into the first team. And obviously, he isn't the finished product either, but he's he's got a lot of qualities there which people can resonate with. They like players who give their all, who you know run themselves in the ground for Sunderland and that's definitely the type of character I don't want more is. Um, for the second part of that question talking about obviously under 23s looking like they could make a step up um, I mentioned before about Ethan Robson and Tom Beadlin who are you know they're, they're probably the two two of the more renowned names in the under 23s and they, they played very well on Friday I think they're more likely to go out and loan if, if anything um, because Beadlin especially as a centre half I know Coney is leaving but it's not very likely that he's going to be given his opportunity anytime soon in the first team um, the Bury fan we had on the site preview in the games the pre-season game and the cup game um, you know really you know, well-spoken guy he spoke about uh, Beadlin and said he was really impressed with him when he was there on loan last season so you know and that was that was in League One it gives us some indication as to where he's at you know if, if he could get a loan maybe to a League One side and then from there progress hopefully down the line then fantastic but there was a there's a couple of, there's a couple of lads in that side which I think you could be looking at getting a chance maybe against Carlisle. Um, it would be nice it would be nice to see Josh Madger really make an impact on the first team. He was fantastic in preseason and I think he probably would have played a fair bit um, had he not got injured. Uh, I think he would have definitely started against Bury, for instance. Um, and you know, with just being him and him and Vaughan up front in them pre-season games, Madjo was probably the more impressive of the two. He got four goals. Mm. And, you know, generally could look like he can handle sell within yeah. a first team. Um, but I mean, the, 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 there is plenty of talent there. I think that's one thing Sunday have got going for them. I thought the other day when on Friday, obviously the game against Spurs, it was, it was half youth, half first team as, and I thought, you know, for, for the first hour of the game, it felt like a bit of a training session because Oviedo and Rodwell needed minutes. Once they came off just after an hour, the tempo was up considerably. Football was good. It was free-flowing. Um, it was slick. 
Um, we, you know, we had a real go at them and, and a lot of it was attacking with purpose, kept the ball well. And that's something which all of our youth teams in the last two or three years, I could probably say since I've been watching them anyways, um, it's something they've all got. They've all got genuine ability. It's just about making that step up into first team football. Mm. And, you know, provided, provided we, you know, we carry on doing well in cups and, and, you know, the, the, the the frequency of the games continues. There's no reason why a player like Ethan Robson doesn't get his chance because if he if he continues to impress, George Honeyman's showing it. Uh, you know, you continue to impress. Grayson's not going to ignore you. There was there was a lad playing on the wing uh, on Friday, a lad called Jack Diamond. By all accounts, he's been fast tracked from the under 16 straight in the under 23s, mm. and he didn't look out of place at all. He looked really good. And you kind of look look kids out and think, well, they've obviously got one eye on on this team, hoping that. There's somebody there who can save them a bit of money because we all know the situation. We all know we're skint, and if there's already kids there who who are gonna who are gonna make an impact on the first team if given a chance, then we'd be foolish not to let them let them loose. I guess so. Uh, yeah, I, I just think I think people have got to be patient. I think I think maybe you know allow allow Grayson to just gradually introduce some of these lads. But I think come the end of the season, there'll be there'll be two or three maybe. Who are who are in, in around the first team and they're just, you know, becoming gradually a part of what the club's about, which is obviously the the people of the of the city having local lads in the team. It's something that you know all fans want to see. So if we can if we can get back to that now, Pickford's left. Maybe get one or two more in. It would be fantastic. One word you mentioned there was patience. I think that's key, isn't it? Especially when we're looking at someone like Duncan Watmore, because the lad's been out for a while. It was a pretty nasty injury, and I know. Medicine's moved forward quite a lot, but when you have a knee injury like that, and especially to a player who's you know has such raw pace, I think we need to give him a bit of time. I still maintain it's probably going to be November, really, before we start to see the best of him, or before we really start to see him kicking on, because he, he is going to need easing in. Because the last thing we need, and the last thing Duncan needs really, is to be rushed back and him to have a relapse, and then to you know spend another couple of months on the sidelines. It's the same with someone like Paddy McNair as well, actually, because we we tend to forget that he's there. And I think at this level, you know, he's he can he again can be a very decent championship player. He's got energy, he's got legs. Um you know, and if he can um if he can get back and get back to full fitness, you know, before Christmas, hopefully he can give us another boost. Um in terms of the other young lads, I mean I'm I'm still not sure if um, Joel Osoro will make it purely because of his physique. I think he needs to spend a year out on loan. Mm. Um, I don't think he's he's big enough. I don't think maybe he's not even big enough. Maybe he just doesn't have the experience at the moment. You know, like he needs to spend a year at a, at a League One side, maybe even a League Two side, get some game time, and actually work out what real competitive football is like. Because the under twenty threes, as good as we we can be as a young side. Nothing will compare to what competitive adult football is like. So I think he needs to go out on loan, get some game time. Um, it'd be great to see Josh Magic get fit because as Gav mentioned earlier, he was, he was outstanding in preseason. One thing I really, really noticed about him was his touch. And, you know, he looked like, he looked a quality footballer as soon as he got the ball. A lot, when a lot, when we get a lot of youngsters through, they looked a bit like a rabbit in headlights and the ball bounces off them. Connor Wickham being a prime example when he joined us and he couldn't trap a bullet. He, he looked like an elephant with a balloon. But Joel, um, Josh Madger looked like, you know, he can trap a ball. He's quick. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing him come back. Um, and as Gav mentioned, we've got no bloody money, have we? So we need these lads to chip in and, and hopefully kick on. Mm. Mm. 
just just on just on the Soro, um, I forgot to mention him really, but uh, there's a there's a lot of misconception I feel with the Soro. There's a lot of fans who hear his name quite a lot, but haven't actually seen him play. Um, there's there's the odd clip on YouTube of him scoring some nice goals last season, um, but I mean ultimately that he's another who needs patience because of all of the players who've been given that chance recently, he's the one who's nowhere near ready yet. He's nowhere near ready yet. I can say that with conviction. He, mm. He's he's physically not up to it. Um, I'm not entirely sure he's developed enough yet. And I think I think when you see him him and Maja side by side, the poles apart. One looks like a man. One looks like a boy. I think Soro has got a long long way to go before he's anywhere near the our first team. And I think um, he's probably been let down by some of the agent talk. I think from what I've been told, certainly. Um, his agents promised him moves all over the place, has him thinking he's Pelly and it's really quite far from where he's at, you know. <clears throat> he really should be concentrating on knuckling down at Sunderland and, yeah. and making the most of the opportunity he's got afforded to him. And I think, I think he, of all those players, would benefit from a loan into the conference with a Gateshead or a Hartlepool if they'd have him, somewhere where it's going to be physically demanding, where you really see what you're about if you can play with men. I think that's a kind of level Soro needs to be at. Maybe not this year, maybe next year. People just need to kind of lower the sights with Joel Soro. He's nowhere near ready. Mm-hmm. Um, to say he's any anywhere near making an impact in the first team is is you know a mile away. I thought we saw against Bury the other night. He's, he's not a right winger for a start, mm-hmm. and they've got him playing out on the right wing trying to carry the ball, which is not particularly great. His technique's not quite there. I just think. Let's let him bed back in with the kids once we get a couple of signings, and I think that's the only reason he's involved. We need we need bodies, and then once we've got a more signings in, sort and drop back down to the level which he should be at, develop a bit more, maybe get a loan at Christmas if he has a good six months or so, um, and then see from there. But just don't you know pin your hopes on him becoming anything really because he's he's quite a way off. I think it's valid what you're saying there about um, his, his agent perhaps being. Uh, not so much, well, no, I'm ad-libbing, I'm paraphrasing, but perhaps not a good influence on him at this stage because you're certainly right in that he's, a, he's the the name on a lot of Sunderland fans' lips, really, because that's what we're expecting. Oh, we've got John Osora. And it does reek of agent involvement and manipulation that he's trying to, whether he's trying to engineer a move or whether he's trying to just in general make his player or make it seem like he's doing more work for his player. It's bad news. It's really bad news. I, I, I think the sort of thing that I, I think that behaviour is terrible, really, particularly when you're talking about a, a player who clearly needs to develop so much more. It's dangerous. It's very dangerous to start treating them like they're the next best thing, you know, because kids are like that. But um, let's talk about some transfers. I mean, we're moving on quite quickly now. We're running out of time, but let's talk about some transfers. We've been linked with a few names recently. Uh, let's start at the top, basically. Uh, Centre backs. Linked recently with a Sean Raggett. Is it Raggett? Is that how we pronounce it? Raggett. 23 years old, centre-back Lincoln City. Anyone know anything about Sean Raggett? We've heard a little bit about him, that he's a half-decent centre-back. Six foot five? No, it can't be six foot five. Six foot two? Something like that. Goal scorer. Goal scorer. Mm. Apparently could have been mm. there. So something like that. And that, that to me seems likely. Lincoln City's the sort of financial level we're looking at and we're certainly looking for centre-backs. That's no surprise there. So Just... Just, just generally though, it would be nice if we we dipped into the lower leagues and found some of these lads who've maybe been, you know, released from academies a bit like Watmore was, you know, released from Man U he was, and then he goes into the non-league and mm. and shows what he's about, and then gets a move. There's there's plenty of examples in the last five years, certainly of players who've been able to come out of non-league. I know Lincoln got promoted last year, but players like that who are yeah, of a good age, twenty-three year old, Vardy, yeah. 
Antonio. Yeah, it's Chris Smalling as an England international. Um, you know, there's, there's there's a especially in the Championship. There's a lot of players now who have played lower league football and have, have you know earned their stripes. Really, having to play, you know, these these teams can't afford not to give the kids chances, and you know they, they actually prove they're pretty handy. And then come the age of 23, they've played over 150 games and they're ready to play in the Championship. You know that that's that's sort of the I would like to see us maybe bringing one or two like that. There's, yeah. I, I, not any names. I don't really. I couldn't say. I, I know a great deal about players at that level, but you, you kind of do have to look at the success rate of some of the some of the players playing now in the Premier League. Even um, even look at the sort of transfers Barnsley have made and then made a success off the back of you know dipping into the lower leagues and finding kids who are going to make an impact. Mm. There's no reason why Sunderland couldn't go out and we don't. Know, I, I was I was speaking uh, to to a friend. The other day, and we were just talking about, you know, Mick McCarthy's big transfer window when he set, when he spent about a hundred grand on about ten players, and then you look at some of the names in amongst there and the, the careers that went on to have. There is there is value at that level, and if we we weren't very well off then, and we're not very well off now, and it's you know you could, you've got to look at teams like Lincoln who have been a success at the level they're at, and then maybe go, you know, is there a, is there one or two players there who you who could maybe make the step up? So I I couldn't say I've ever seen this ragged guy, but it, you know. It, it wouldn't. It, it wouldn't be something I'm totally against bringing in a player from from League Two, even who's proven themselves at that level. The other thing as well is if you look at the profile of the players we've signed so far, and I was quite critical about this last week, is that we've signed a lot of players that aren't going to get any better than what they are now. I think Gab touched on it earlier on the show. It would just be nice to see us sign somebody under 25. One of the big problems with Ellis Short's tenure at Sunderland has been always looking at the now and never really securing the long term. It would just be nice to see us go out there and maybe add a couple players that are going to improve and that could potentially have their best years at Sunderland to complement what we've got now with McGeady and Grabben, who are top-tier championship players. If we can maybe mix that in with players that have the potential to go on and become something more then that would be great. And if, if that means scouring the low leagues because we don't have much of a budget, that would be something I'd absolutely want to get behind us signing younger players that can have their best years at our club. I mean, there's another player we've been linked to, another 23-year-old, a winger from Utrecht, Yassine Ayoub. Alex knows a little bit about him. What do you know about him, Alex? Well, Yassine Ayoub, from what I gather, is a, very, is a young, ambitious winger who I think is pretty much... His thing is heads hitting the ceiling at the Eredivisie, and I feel like he needs to move away to further his career. Mm. We're one of the, we're one of a few clubs linked with them in England, but sadly we're not in England in the highest tier linked with them. Ah. It's as I as I understand it, it's between us and Leicester really who are who are, could be potentially chasing him. Mm. And the issue there, I think, is that we're in no position to compete with Leicester. I think the only possibility we would have to compete with them would be if we could guarantee him first-team football for an entire season to further his career. You know, he'd want to play for us, and that would put us in a position where we'd be a good stepping stone for him to continue sort of growing as a player. But I don't feel like we're in a position to offer that. We can't be... It's not the case of us where we can go, OK, you could have ambition here by furthering your career, or you have a pay packet there, you know, and you can warm a bench for a season or two. Because it wouldn't be like that. Um, you see, Mayub is a left winger, and while it would be good to strengthen in that, in that position... We, I mean, we can't offer him first-team football as a cert when we've got Aidan McGeady because McGeady, without a doubt, is our best player. I'd say. Mm, I, I would. I, I wouldn't. I would maybe get too attached to some of these foreign transfers, especially. I think. I think maybe Grayson's early business suggests he's not really looking abroad. Um, maybe not looking to take punts on players that would cost us 
company. I think I think it can't be stated enough just how skint we are. And even though we're going to sell players to to bring new ones in, I think even selling someone like Kazri would only get us McCormack on loan. Um, it's it's kind of you know you've got to sometimes some of these names are getting the sun, and I don't think I think it's more agents just leaking names to the press to get the players' name out there and things like that. I mean. Ayub's probably one of fifty or sixty players that's already been linked to us. But um, another, another which I would say is quite tenuous. Yet he's a British player, is Ledbetter, player who you know the links were so uh, strong, I guess, in the media that it led to questions to both Grayson and Gary Monk, didn't it, uh, through the week about him? And I think maybe if a player like Ledbetter came available, we might be interested, but. I mean, I would say central midfield is our strongest position. Once McNair's back, that's that's five, I would say, low-end Premier League, top-end championship midfield, as we've got. I don't really think that's someone like... Although I'd, I'd like to say a local, bad, uh, local lad back, um, someone who clearly loves the club and you know showed in the past his commitment to us. It'd be great to have someone like Grant Ledbetter back, but I'm just not entirely certain that that would even happen just because of the the depth we've got in that position we're kind of kind of stuck on we need we need central defenders and wingers and maybe a striker or two um it would be nice just to move away from those names i guess and hopefully get someone actually through the door like mccormack yeah so initially when i heard the lead bit of link i was like oh that's good he's a different type of midfielder what we've got He's a goal-scoring midfielder. He's not someone who builds that play. He's someone who's much more effective in the opposition area. And now delved a bit deeper. It made me feel very old to realise that Grant Ledbit is now 31 years old. That one caught me off guard. And then the other thing as well is you look a bit closer at the stats. He's only got double figures in the championship once. So is he even going to contribute that many goals? We talked earlier about how good Graben's been playing off a striker and if he was going to come into the team that's where he'd potentially be coming and someone like Graben just seems to offer so much more even if McCormack comes in he's another guy who can play off a striker who can play in that role and he can probably contribute more goals and more assists than Ledbetter would so it would be nice yeah to see a local lad back but I think we should probably be looking at a different type player and he's probably not the right player for us right now yeah I think no matter which way you approach it Ledbetter as much as you would want him back as much as the prospect of a Catamore led be a northeast all star centre midfield is would be absolutely fantastic. <laughs> it's it's not gonna happen. And there's ev- like like you say, there's I mean you I mean I mean, James, you and Gav have already said there's any number of reasons why. I mean, I don't feel like we'll struggle for goals in this team and we're already we're already overstaffed for centre midfielders. I mean, we've got Catamore, Endong, Gibson, McNair and Rodwell, who I think you'd say are your definite centre midfielders who'll play this season, potentially. And I think, I mean, well, obviously, Catamol and Endong, they're, they're not going anywhere. You know, like that, that's non-negotiable. You know, that if you if you could weld them to the to the ground, you would. But that's, mm. I mean, you know, and I think people might might have called for Gibson's head a week and a half ago, but ever since his drunken outburst, you know, we haven't lost a game. So, yeah. I, so I mean, I mean, definitely inclined to believe Grayson that 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 little tantrum he had did clear the air. I mean, and I think ideally, you maybe could want to shift McNair and Rodwell. Purely because McNair's an unknown quantity, whereas we, you know, we're accustomed to Ledbetter and Rodwell's Rodwell. You know, he's a he's a complete non-entity. He's a lack of a player on the pitch. Sure. No, one, no one's going to come in for either of those purely because McNair is an unknown and Rodwell is known to be awful. So, or, or known to be unknown. Yeah, I mean, um, talking about Ledbetter, I personally don't want to make that step backwards, and I completely agree with you with Rodwell. I mean, 
Yeah, let's just none of that. None of that comes to pass. Moving oh, no. swiftly on, we are running. Well, we are running out of time. We are running well out of time. But we have to look forward to Sheffield Wednesday. How's everyone looking forward to that? I mean, that's Wednesday. Funnily enough, that's Wednesday, the sixteenth of August. Now, so far this season, Sheffield Wednesday, they've drawn one of their games. They've lost another of their games. So they've got no victory to their names yet. So no, you would hope not that much momentum. I mean, still. It's still not known quantity in this league. Gav, what do you make of them? Um, I just can't wait for the game. Oh. Um, last year, I, I dreaded going to even home matches that were at convenient times. Now I can't get enough of it, and I'm arranging on the fly to go to away games at midweek when I'm oh. meant to be working, taking days holidays. But that, that's how I want to support someone. That's how I want to feel. I want to, I want to feel happy about going to games and excited about seeing them play and excited about travelling to some of these places because Hillsborough's a fantastic ground, been a few times. Um, only really got good memories of being there. So, you know, I'm, I'm not really looking forward to it. I'm not overly worried about who they are at this stage. I think, um, as the results in the first two games have shown, there's kind of, I just think it's such an even league. I don't think anyone's really to be feared. Like, you know, you look at Aston Villa's team on paper and you think that should be walking the league and then they get humped yesterday. And there's no, there's no point in dwelling on who they are, who they've got. I just think if on the night we, we work harder and we take our chances, we're going to win any game. And I think that's the kind of attitude that this team's going to have going into pretty much every fixture this season. There's nobody above us. I mean, Wolves have got some fantastic players have spent a lot of money on, but as we all, all already know, Sunderland fans spending big amounts of money on star players doesn't get you anywhere sometimes and you know we we don't have to worry about these teams and who they've got let's just turn up let's go in with the same mentality as we did maybe today and against Derby is to work a little bit harder on our opposition and hopefully get the ball to strike us and, and, and be solid I think if we do that in any game this season we're going to be fine I think that was maybe Newcastle's downfall last season in the Premier League although they won the league they lost a lot of games and it was because they didn't take some of those home games seriously enough and I think if we if we can get some momentum going that's the main thing if we can win again on Wednesday that's going to well, that's going to set us perfectly for the Leeds game on Saturday because Leeds are another big side another another well supported team there's a, there's a lot to look forward to I just think I think let's, let's not maybe Get too ahead of ourselves. Obviously, I'm excited, but let's not let's not get too ahead of ourselves, and let's let's maybe just just look at it one game at a time. Yeah, uh, Chef Wed, good side, but they're not unbeatable. We've, we've played ten years in the Premier League and faced far tougher opposition on a weekly basis than what we're up against this this time around. Let's just go into each game one at a time, and let, you know, target three points basically. Mm. Well, I mean, obviously, there's going to be a familiar face. Well, you would think so, anyway, when we line up against them next week. Stephen Fletcher's been playing for them since 2016. He's scored 10 goals for them so far, I believe, 10 league goals. Uh, obviously, not in the last two games, but he has featured in the last two games. Uh, James, what do you make of that? Are you looking forward to seeing Stephen Fletcher again? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, to be honest, he, just, he, doesn't, he doesn't scare me at all. Like, I uh, actually thought... Like Stephen Fletcher was actually going to, would be a decent championship footballer because he was always had a good touch, didn't he? Um, but again, his attitude's so poor at times. He wouldn't worry me. I mean, Sheffield, they've had a, they've had a pretty, pretty poor start to the season by all accounts. I mean, they've got a lot of injuries at centre half and they're like, desperately searching for a new centre back. Um, I mean, they're, they're hanging their hopes on people like Barry Bannon and you think, well, I mean, we've got better, better footballers than him. I mean, Jordan Rhodes is, is certainly not pulling up any trees there either. Um, you know, that last, what the last two games have, have really shown me is 
I was really worried about playing teams like Derby and playing teams like Norwich and actually seeing that the, seeing what quality they have. I'm so much more optimistic for this season. I mean, one th- one thing I have noticed by looking at the table and looking at some of the performances of some of the inadvertent commas bigger sides in this league, you know, they're struggling. You know, Villa are struggling. You know, the, these bigger sides like Norwich and Derby and Villa, they're not they're not having the best start. And I just think it just shows that there's a massive gulf between Premier League and the Championship, and we've brought predominantly the same squad down. Um, I think we're really well equipped. I don't think we should fear someone like Sheffield Wednesday at all. Um, I'd fully expect us to, you know, I don't think um, Simon Grace will underestimate anyone. I think he seems like the kind of man who, you know, he's got a steady head on his shoulders and he'll always take everyone seriously. He won't, he wouldn't suffer from delusions of grandeur, would he? So I imagine he'll set them up in the same way. They'll be steady. They'll be solid. And I think we've got much more quality than them. I think if we if we can get the ball into Vaughan and you know we can kind of link up with those players around him, if we can get McGeady in the game, I think we'll beat them, no problem. I think it's an exciting challenge. I think it's a really interesting test. I think I looked at Derby and they're kind of the mirrorage to us. They're a team with a lot of Premier League experience, with old experienced pros, and we matched them. We we bettered them in the first half. They had the better of the last half. Now. Norwich, you're looking at a team that's made wholesale changes. They, they lack fluidity today, and we took full advantage of that. They lack communication at the back. Sheffield Wednesday are a perennial playoff team. I think Odds Checker had them third in the outright odds behind Middlesbrough, behind Fulham. So this is a team that people are expecting big things of. So if we can go and get a positive result against them, then the momentum starts to build. Then it's the domino effect and then all of a sudden maybe just maybe this might be a really good season for us so it's a really exciting game that's going to tell us a lot more about where we are and where we stand in the league well I mean I'm just looking forward to it purely because my mentality's changed thanks to Sunderland's mentality's changing you know I'm not going into games fearing superior opposition playing against our team and that'll crumble once you know once a goal goes in in the first 15 minutes like I feel like in the championship and against teams like Sheffield Wednesday, you're going to play a team that will have at least one, by, by Premier League standards, a fundamental flaw in the team. In Wednesday's case, it's defence. You know, the, the need to restock defensively, and I think we're in a position where we can go, we'll, we'll be in the right place at the right time when we'll play them, take them on Wednesday, and I think we can capitalise on them, we can win. I feel like even if, even, if they, even if they nab the first goal, I feel like we can, just come back to it, we can just come straight back into it. You know, I feel like there's no real... While I have obviously my apprehensions and my concerns whether or not we can win, I don't fear when we when, us when we play teams, you know. Mm, yeah, and absolutely, as Gav said as well, there's no reason to fear them, is there? Because we are a league below. I mean, as Newcastle showed today, um, perhaps the championship is just fucking easy after all, eh? So yeah, well, uh, yeah, that's all we've got time for. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, as always, you can subscribe to us on Acast and iTunes, and you should certainly, absolutely go and check out RogueReport.com for some brilliant written work from some of these gentlemen, myself, and many more. So, yeah, that's all we've got time for. Don't forget to tune in next week when we'll have the, well, the lowdown and the reaction for what's happened, what's going on in the cup, and what's going on in the league. Uh, this is the Rogue Report, signing off.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.